guys how are you today so i just thought that i'd do another podcast episode because i've been getting some really nice feedback um off of this podcast so far and it's um at this very moment just the first episode's gone up but i thought that i'd tackle a subject which i think has kind of shaped my career and the way it's gone and my attitude towards thing things and um it's how i decide to learn new things and um a prime example is this podcast and um basically i've realized over the years that although it's great for me when i sort of like casually study something and you know work it out in my own time and all that sort of stuff actually the best way for me to learn things is to be thrown in completely at the deep end and basically force my own hand sometimes i'm sometimes literally my own worst enemy but at the same time i know it's for the best and i know that that's the way that i get things done and hopefully well i mean i'm sometimes not so well but I always try. So I've realised that the best way for me to learn personally is to jump right in. And sometimes that's sort of not been my decision and other times it has. So sometimes I really can only blame myself. But I thought that I'd give you some examples of how that's come, like situations like that have come about and how it's actually furthered my career way past just that moment. Um, and the way that I always describe it is almost like sort of making either making a decision or a decision being made for you that makes you suddenly feel like you're just free falling through the sky not that I've ever done that so it's just my imagination but I mean it's bad enough I don't think I need to do any sort of free falling because the amount of times I feel like this is ridiculous so yeah let me give you some examples that these situations have um, arose for me and and what that's meant how I've handled it a lot of the times it's involved a moment of just crying and getting on with it but there you go so the first one is um when i was working with Cher lloyd it was 2012 when i got a phone call from the musical director and i was recommended through a friend of mine and yeah he spoke to me and we had a chat about what would be needed for the setup uh, in terms of equipment and it came to light that there would be a lot of electronics involved now before this I'd already sort of worked a little bit with electronics mainly using um, a multi-pad so uh, in my uh, for me I was using a Yamaha Multi 12 uh, DTX Multi 12 Um, I still do to be fair but that was my only experience really of using electronics and I thought ah well that'll be fine that'll be you know that'll work now anyone that doesn't know this unit it has um well it it technically it has 16 pads on it but actually it only really has 12 usable pads and they're all in a block together and then they have the it has the capability to have five other external pads added and out the back running to front of house or a di box rather is um stereo out so left and right now when i spoke to this MD he said oh yeah so um you know very nonchalantly he just he just knows what he needs and he he said right I'm gonna need individual outs for you know the kicks the snares um the other drums and the sort of uh, other random percussive elements and instantly I was like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh in my head obviously going I, I don't have that I don't I don't have that and I don't know I don't know what has that and I don't know how to do that ah and so like freaking out in my head and just going yeah yeah okay cool yeah that shouldn't be a problem that's fine um and then he sent over the songs. 
and I had a listen and it became very apparent very quickly that I was going, going to need much more flexibility in the placement of the pads. So, well, A, I would need more than five pads that could not be in one place. Um, and also, yeah, I need, I needed, I just needed the flexibility. That coupled with the fact that I needed individual outs, I was like, okay, I need to come at this from a different perspective because what I currently own is not going to do the job. So I was like, total panic stations and then I just started thinking right who do I know that uses electronics who would know to talk about this and I had read up about um, a different model of DTX uh, the 900 brain which basically has oh I think it's 16 individual pads that you can have and obviously because they're individual you can put them wherever you want on the kit they have it has six or well actually it has eight individual outs so I knew that that could work and yeah, so I got in touch with Yamaha. I was lucky enough, and still lucky enough, to be endorsed by them. So they were able to help me out because this was all in a very short period of time as well. So I had to get it all sorted pretty quick. And I, I gave them the call and I explained the situation. And I'm sure that they could hear the panic in my voice. And they're very sweet. And they were like, okay, yeah, cool. Right, we can lend you one of those and let's sort this out. Anyway, in the meantime, whilst I'm waiting for this unit to come, it suddenly occurred to me that I'd never used it before and I have no idea how to use it. So, ensue more panic, of course, and, and fear. I mean, this is my general being, is I'm generally ran, run, I run on fear, basically. And it, although probably not very good for my blood pressure, very good for me getting things done. So, in a state of fear, going, what am I going to do? And then I realised that a friend of mine, Tom Meadows was using this unit and he so if anyone that doesn't know Tom Meadows first of all check him out he's amazing like great UK player amazing groove he plays with Kylie Minogue at the moment and I knew that he had been using it I think I'd seen a picture somewhere so I gave him a call and I was like hey so I'm about to do this gig and I need to learn to use the DTX 900 like super quick is there any chance that like you could help me out or like could we sit down and, and you can sort of talk me through it? he went oh yeah straight away he's like the kindest person he's so sweet it's like yeah yeah of course right come and meet me in my lockup and I will literally sit down with you and show you the only things that you'll need to know because there's a lot of fluff around it that isn't really relevant I will I will yeah I'll just sit down and I'll do it with you and I was like oh my gosh thank you so much he was literally a godsend and he is, I mean, he's one of my favourite people. He's such a sweetheart. I haven't seen him for ages, actually. So, hey, Tom, if you happen to listen to this by some crazy coincidence, um, I hope you're well. And congratulations on your newest baby. I haven't actually seen you for that long. Um, yeah, so bless him. Met up with me. Well, I went to his lockup. We sat down and he just talked me through everything that I needed to know. How I was going to import the different samples. How I was going to assign them to pads. How to assign the individual outs. How to change the velocities, the dynamics, the, the volumes, the sensitivity. I mean, he literally went through everything that I needed to know. And I was there and I was taking notes. And uh, I was just, I mean, I can't tell you how grateful I was and still am that he did that. So that sort of like got my head around the electronics and I then, um, once I got the unit, I went and programmed it and it all was great and it all seemed fine and I went into rehearsals and the musical director was super happy. So as long as he was happy, I was happy. And yeah, we went on with rehearsals. 
obviously there were a few tweaks during rehearsals which is completely normal sort of changing a few levels here and there and um, maybe sort of EQing a few of the sounds and stuff like that but typical normal rehearsal stuff then we get to the last day I think it was I think we must have done a week and we got to the last day of rehearsals and we had one day of pre-production rehearsals the following day I believe and he suddenly said to me oh um by the way are you happy to run playback I was in my head screaming and free-falling and just going mental and I was just like yeah yeah um I mean I uh what um yeah if you want to show me like how to do like I'd be happy to do it of course like yeah just just let's just sit down and he and he could see obviously that I was kind of like trying to fluff my way through it he went look it's totally cool it's easy I'm going to show you how to do it and we'll run it during rehearsals we'll run it during pre-production you'll be totally fine and I was like okay on the inside almost about to burst into tears and I was like okay cool and then in my head I thought okay it's fine I'm learning a new skill this is a good thing this is a good thing even though I'm terrified and I'm you know if I get this wrong the whole show falls apart um yeah I'm I'm happy with this let me do it so he sat down and he showed me and we sort of went through rehearsals and for that day and I I would do it and it kind of was working I guess anyway we get to the the pre-production day the next day or production rehearsals rather I should say and we were in a venue in I think it was in South End but I'm I'm not convinced about that actually I'm not sure it was either Cliffs Pavilion or another one of those types of venues anyway um and we started running the show as if it was the show and I was I mean the playing I know how to play drums I'd been doing it for long enough and I was just so proud of myself for doing all these electronics to such a high standard I was like yes I'm doing the gig this is great and then during the the first run of uh the show I mean I was like I was like Billy the Kid on this machine. It was like as soon as the song ended, I was just like, right next song, right next song, right next song. And, you know, I think everyone was a bit discombobulated, but obviously I was I was just so focused on what I was doing. I was completely freaked out of just taking too long and people going, well, what's she doing? She doesn't know what she's doing. So I was going completely the other way and I was just going a bit mad with it. Anyway, after the first run of the show, he sort of, uh, the MD sort of came over. He was like, oh, let's, um, let's go have a chat. And I was like, oh, no, oh, I've done something wrong. Oh, no, this is awful. This is, ah, he's going to fire me. You know, completely irrational kind of thinking. We've just done a week of rehearsals. He's not going to fire me. So he took me up into the seating area and he just was like, okay, are you okay? And I was just, and then I think, I think it was at that point that I literally burst into tears and I was just like, I'm so sorry. I, I just, I'm really like, yeah, I'm trying really hard, but I'm really like stressed about it. And, and I just, I, I don't feel like I'm doing a very good job and, you know, I'm feeling a lot of pressure on it. And he was just like, look, it's totally fine. You did it perfectly. It was just a bit quick. Just, you know, just take a breather. Think about the audience clapping. Just give them a second and then you move on like it's fine just relax you're doing great like this is you're doing perfect and I was just like oh okay thank you so much so anyway I sort of then had my 30 seconds minute of falling apart and then just went right okay let's just do it and we did another run through and he was just 
super happy with that. He was like, loads better. And then we ended up doing a tour and I was running the track and I ran the show and it was just, it was terrifying. But the more that I did it, the less terrifying it got. And consequently, I then added that to my skill set. I now know how to run a show. I'm more than happy just running the show. It's it's kind of like I feel a bit odd when I, if there is track when I'm not running it. I kind of feel a bit odd. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's ended up giving me a new level of well, I guess a new level of tolerance of stress and a new level of ability and a new string to my bow. So that happened in 2012. And like I said, I've been running a lot of shows since then, which has been great. And he, and bless him, he used to call me the on the road MD. I'm not sure I was, but I, it's fine. That's totally, if he wants to say that, that's really nice. But yeah, anyway, but speaking of the MD thing, so that was another situation that had happened the year before where I was playing with tricky and we got into a situation where we'd lost a a couple of our band members on the road they had to go home for various reasons and it ended up being me a bass player a backing singer and tricky and we had two gigs I think it was to fulfill in um oh gosh where was it that was it it was in Taipei and Yes, we'd lost these people and we literally had, oh, all the backing tracks had gone as well with the people. So we literally, like I said, no, it's heavily electronic music. It's trip hop from the 90s. It's all about the backing tracks, the electronics, and then having the musicians on top to add the energy. And we had this gig to do. And yeah, we had three musicians, well, drummer, bass player, backing singer, and him, basically. And the way that he usually runs his shows is when you start playing the song and you'll play a verse and a chorus, maybe, and then suddenly he'll start pointing at people to stop and start playing various sections and create dynamics. And he's like a live DJ, but instead of decks, he's got humans. It's really, it's an amazing show. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I'd highly suggest going to see it. It's really interesting and and he's a really great artist. Anyway, so we ended up with this situation and with not much so I sort of took it upon myself that okay well this needs to be sorted whether we like it or not like this gig is happening and yeah we could all just kind of go oh let's just you know leave it but I'm not really of that kind of thinking so I just was like okay well look this situation this is what we're going to do so we managed to get some backing tracks off the latest album but the total amount of music that we had from those backing tracks was all of I think it was 35 minutes, but we were contracted to do an hour and a half show. So I had to sit down with Tricky and say, okay, look, I don't know how we're going to do this, but what songs do you want to do? Because I'd spoken to the front of house engineer. He said, look, the best thing I can suggest is that I can try and EQ out the drums and the bass from the backing tracks. And then you can sort of play on top of that. So I was like, okay. So I sat down with Tricky. I was like, right, this is the situation. This is what we're going to try and do. What songs should we do like let me I'll, I'll i'll write out the songs that we'd been doing recently and and sort of showed him and he was like okay yeah cool that sounds good i said look i'm gonna have to learn these as the record so you're not going to be able to start and stop stuff it's just gonna have to be a playthrough i know that's not how you do your shows but it's just necessity that's what's gonna have have to happen and he completely agreed he was like yeah okay that makes sense 
And um, he even said to me, he said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep my head down and um, sort of not be seen around the venue just in case. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine, but just in case we need to pull the show or something, I can say that I'm unwell or whatever. So he was being really like, um, really understanding. And I was like, okay, cool. And in my head, I was going, it's not going to come to that because I'm going to make this work. I don't care. And then I spent the next sort of two hours charting the the studio versions of these songs because I hadn't actually learnt them like that. All I'd learnt because of the way that the show was run was literally a verse and a chorus and just like the patterns and then you'd be flexible from there. So to actually learn these songs as the album was quite an ordeal and it was kind of like, oh, so this is how that song goes. Oh, that's pretty crazy. And I had um, one of the techs, Darren, he was helping me as well. And I was like, I say, I was working with the front of house engineer and we were kind of trying to bring it together. And we got to a point where we we're like, right, we have a set list. It is an hour and a half. We're going to do this. And we went to go do it and we were playing it and it was working. I mean, I was giving cues to the bass player and the backing vocalist for the sections that were about to come up and, you know, and Tricky himself, bless him. And then suddenly in the middle of the show, so, oh, I should have mentioned this, the way that we were running the tracks that we had, including the album tracks, was off of a laptop, off of iTunes. That's how high tech the situation got. And it was with this tech, Darren, sitting next to me, literally on iTunes, and I would tell him when to start the track or whatever. And then suddenly in the middle of one of the songs, in the middle of the set, Tricky decides to point at the tech with the laptop to make him stop it so that we could do the show like he would usually do. And my heart just, it almost jumped out of my chest. I was like, what are you doing? I mean, in hindsight, it's actually a really good thing because it means that he was probably so happy with the way that it was going and comfortable. Well, I'd like to think that. Or maybe it was so awful that he was like, oh, it's awful anyway, so we'll just make it even more crazy. And obviously... As everyone knows that's ever used iTunes, the latency when you hit that space bar is not great. So anyway, he would stop the track and me, the bass player, the singer would sort of carry on and do stuff. And then he would point back at the the guy with the laptop to Darren and he would try and start it again in time. But of course, with the latency, it was just never going to happen. It was never going to work. And we would just kept like, it was, oh, it was so awkward trying to get back in with it and just like try and make it that that was okay. I mean, it was just my whole, I mean, if the ground could have swallowed me up at that moment, it would have done and I would have been so happy. But it happened and we got to the end of the show. We came off for the encore um, and then we, we came back on and in the middle of the encore, Tricky comes over to me and says, by the way, you're my MD now. And I was like, okay. So that's how I sort of got the job of MDing him for all of, I mean, it was literally a few months. And so, yeah, that kind of necessity to learn those songs so quickly and just direct people and be the one that they could rely on and just going with it and being flexible and going with the flow, even though it was so awful and probably the most awful show I've ever played. And in case you want to actually see how awful it is, there is footage on YouTube somewhere. I have never watched it because I just, I can't bring myself to. I think that oh yeah, I think it would be too devastating because being there, I know how bad it was, so I can't even imagine how bad it actually was out front, if you know what I mean. So yeah, so that ended up 
putting me in a position of having to reprogram the whole of the set and the way that he ran the set, which was such a, a huge order. But it meant that me and that same tech that was sitting on the laptop, me and him sort of worked together to uh, learn Ableton and to start running the track from there because it made sense with the way that he was, the way that he likes to run a show. Ableton was the most flexible program, especially at the time that was available because this was in 2011. So me and Darren literally sat down and just were tearing our hair out sort of trying to learn it and we managed to put together this show and we managed to gig it and you know it worked exactly how we needed it to work but again a very stressful time but in hindsight I then had learned how to use Ableton which is great because I still use Ableton to this very day um we use it on the Kim Wilde gig at the moment uh Howard uses it on his gig I'm not running it on in fact I'm not running it on Kim's gig unless I'm sort of the only drummer which is very rare um and yeah on the Howard gig we're running it on there so it's I know I also run it myself as well so it's you know, again, it was one of those freefall moments, but that moment of just, ah, ended up giving me all these other skills that I didn't know that I could possess. And also, had it not have been this pressure-filled situation, I probably just would have waited to do it another time, and that time may not have come. But that, knowing those skills now, has like it's just added to what I can bring to a gig, which is great. Another... Um, sort of situation that I got myself into uh, which was realizing how good it is to learn be able to learn songs really quickly um, was the way that I got the Brian Ferry gig which I've briefly mentioned in a couple of other sort of platforms whether it's YouTube or whatever um, so when I got that gig I got the phone call for it the night before the show and I'd never worked with Brian before uh, it was through his manager who I hadn't seen in years and he basically said to me, can you do this gig tomorrow? And I was like, oh my gosh, I was on my way to another gig. So there was no way I could have even looked at the material that he was going to send me until like midnight that night. And I was like, yes, yes, I'll do it. That's good. Anyway, I got this, I got home. And by the way, side note, I didn't have anywhere to practice. At the time I was living in a room in uh, Southwest London. There was no, yeah, I just didn't have a space to practice. Um, so it was all down to me just listening and learning. So I got home at midnight, came back to this list of songs that I had to learn. I was like, okay, cool. So I'm not sleeping tonight. And then I just sat up and I learnt all these songs and I charted them and, you know, and I charted them like to as much detail that I could because I knew that they would be expecting a certain sound. You know, they're used to playing with... Um, another drummer and I need to kind of replicate that so it's not too jarring when I come into the situation anyway all I can say is that I was up till like four in the morning I was in tears most of the time going I can't do this I'm gonna completely ruin it <sighs> and then yeah so I was up till very late but that ability to learn songs fairly quickly I mean four hours to me now that's that's slow that's really slow and actually do you know what it's funny someone was telling me the other day about music school uh, I can't remember which one actually even if I could remember which one I wouldn't say but apparently they were teaching the kids to learn like one song a week which just seems mental like 
I'm used to learning 40 songs in a matter of like a few hours because that's the kind of gigs that you get called for. It's like, hey, so we've got a gig tonight. Can you do it? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Thinking, oh, I'll probably know some of the songs on the set list. And then they send it through and you know, like none of them. That's what I'm used to learning. Like, yeah, that is understandable. But like one song a week seems really, really like not setting them up um, for, you know, real life situations. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a random rant. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I learned these songs and I went and did the gig the next day and it went really well. And Brian was really happy and he ended up calling me the next day to come and record on his album. And then I worked with him for the next like three or four years. So that one moment of just going, yes, and, and then just working it out and making it work, even though I was knackered and, you know, it was just like, I just need to do this because this is the opportunity and I need to take it. And, you know, that that Brian Ferry gig, that learning those songs really quickly that fed into the tricky gig when I had to learn all those songs really quickly within literally a couple of hours. And I think that it all feeds into each other. Even to this day, I still chart songs. I still learn songs. And I'm lucky enough to be at position, in a position where most times it will just be one listen and I've learned it. And that's great when you're going into like recording situations or even um, auditions. I mean, aside from the fact that you're quick and you're not uh, wasting people's time especially in the studio actually because you know time is money but if you're saying a audition for a, a tour and they haven't sent you the songs beforehand and you learn it on the day if you're sitting there and you can just chart a chart really quickly after one list listen that looks quite impressive I think well I think it does I'd like to think that it does and you know you it just shows that you're obviously well you know, you've got a lot of experience to be able to do that, I think. So, yeah, it, it all feeds in. And, and like I say, I, I'm i in that position where I've realised over the years that that is how I learn best. And it's very stressful when I'm not the one in control of the decision as to how, what I need to learn and how. But I can definitely rise to the challenge and, and I'm... I, I'm trying to think if there's any situations where I've like completely fallen on my ass. I've semi fallen on my ass many times. Um, I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll think of something, I'm sure. It might have to be in a different podcast. But yeah, I think it's so important. But equally, after realising that this is a way that really works for me, um, I started putting myself in those positions. So for instance, I got the opportunity to do a musical. It was a local musical with like an amateur theatre group, but I'd never done any sort of musical theatre. I'd never done any proper reading gigs and it absolutely terrified me. And as soon as I feel that feeling of feeling scared, I go, well, then I need to do it. Clearly, I need to do it. And it was for Annie Get Your Gun. It was a production that was in, oh, what was the theatre? But it was in, it was in Edmonton in North London. And I sat, we, we luckily, we'd had like, I think we had a, a quick rehearsal for like a couple of hours just running stuff. And believe me, I was not doing a good job. Like, oh my gosh, I was not, I was trying my hardest, but I very clearly wasn't getting the cues and stuff. Like I didn't really understand what they were saying, even though I had tried to sort of study beforehand, like, right, like with my drum teacher, I was like, he was like, okay, well, this is what's going to probably come up. And this, if they say this, then it means this and da, 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 da. Um, and we'd been through all this, but when it came to the moment under the pressure, I was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm so out of my depth here. 
but I was able to sort of take the charts home after that rehearsal and just study them and read them and and anyway we did a week of um a week of the show and yeah it went really well to the point that the the um conductor asked me back the next year so I obviously must have done something right um I didn't consequently do it the second year but you know it was just nice to know that I could do it and trust me when I say I'm not the best reader by a long way but as I say it's nice to know that when it comes down to it and you really just you've just got to give everything you can get through it and not even that you can surprise yourself at how well you can do with it and you can do a good job which at the end of the day is the only the only goal really just to do a good job so um another thing that I sort of like just went feet first into head first into was doing my own website I've always done my own website since I was oh I don't even know how old I would have been probably 13 no four maybe 14 or 15 actually maybe that's more logical um yeah and I'm talking like the most basic html awful looking website that's what I first created and over the years I kind of have carried on and I'm always trying to make it better and more concise and stuff like that and part of the reason is because I can't stand the idea of having someone else manage my website so that if I wanted to change something I would have to ask them to do it I just that doesn't work for me I like being self-sufficient I like I like not having to rely on people and I like it being down to me and if it's going wrong it's probably my fault and I'm okay with that I can deal with that because I can rectify it usually unless it's well, no, I'm pretty sure you can rectify most things if it's your fault. Um, yeah, so that's another one. Another uh, uh, thing is video editing. You know, I hadn't done a stitch of video editing until I recorded that uh, YouTube video for Foo Fighters Best of You. Um, in fact, actually, no, I shouldn't say that. I didn't even edit that video. My sister edited that video, but it was the ones after that that I realised I was... Because she... So a little back bit of background on my sister. She is an ice skater with Disney on Ice. I know, very random. We have a random family. And uh, she was going on tour. So she didn't have the time to be editing stuff and also sending over those huge files over the internet at that time was just not viable because she would be in hotel rooms and it would just be you know awful internet and it was it was just not good and also then the time constraint whereas I okay my initial editing was not as good as hers for sure but the fact that I could film it and edit it and release it within a day was like, yeah, that works for me because once things are done for me, I like to put it out there. Um, To be fair, I find that quite difficult with things like podcasts. I do record them, I sort of batch them and then at least they're scheduled. But yeah, sometimes I'm like, I just want to put it out now. Ah. (laughs) And speaking of podcasts, so this whole podcast thing, I'm literally going in blind and just trying my best and I'm going to feel my way through it. And I don't know whether I'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing or it's good or it's awful I know that I listen to podcasts and I know what I enjoy listening to but yeah I'm just sort of like trying with that side of things as well so I mean you guys can let me know how I'm doing with this and I will try and improve it as best I can I already have some ideas in my head because I think it would be nicer having conversations with people rather than me just talking at you because it's not as um dynamic so I'm gonna I think I said in another podcast um which I recorded yesterday, (laughs) uh, that I want to get sort of some guests in that I can, we can have a conversation. It can be, yeah, more conversational, different perspectives, different, um, 
yeah just different feelings on different subjects and yeah I think it would um, translate better so I mean you can tell me if you think that too or you can tell me that you like the fact that I'm just talking to myself and to you uh, yeah for long periods of time whilst you're doing other things I'm sure but yeah um, oh another another this is another random one so when I was uh, in terms of uh, making myself doing something when I was how old 21 maybe 22 I was like I wasn't really unfit but I wanted to get fit I wanted to start running but I was terrible at running I've always been terrible at running now rather than most logical people going well maybe I'll just do a bit of a run here and there and build it up and blah 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 um instead what I decided to do was sign up to a 5k that was happening four weeks from the point that I decided this so that I literally had no choice I had um, a charity involved I had to raise money and I was just like well I can't let anyone down now and then I learned to run and it was really good and I went and did it and it was a Santa run so I was running in a full-on Santa regalia which was um, quite surreal actually when we actually went and did it but it was great and and like I say I think if you can find those things that kind of motivate you and I mean in my case terrify me into doing something if you can leverage that to your advantage I think that's such an invaluable skill and like I said I I use this all the time even to the point like right now I'm doing a gig tonight and uh they chucked in a uh song that I hadn't done like two days ago but instead of learning it two days ago I'm going to learn it on the day because I know that I'm going to learn super quick when I'm super focused when I'm super terrified that I'm not going to do it so yeah anyway I think it's really important I shall stop talking now I'm sure that you've heard me ramble on enough for the day but I hope you guys are having a wicked week um if you have any questions that you'd like me to uh, like to ask me you'd like me to answer or any topics topics that you'd like me to uh, cover or discuss um, or if you have any ideas of any interview guests you'd like me to work with then send me an email over to info at a drummer's guide 2 or you can go to a drummer's guide 2.com and there's like a, a question form that you can fill in you can do it anonymously as well if you're feeling a bit embarrassed about the question which is totally fine and yeah leave a comment leave a review if you fancy it subscribe to this if you like it if you don't apologize I'm just doing the best I can and trying to tell you what my experiences are but you ain't gotta like it that's totally fine um anyway yeah hope you guys are well and I shall see you next week for another episode of a drummer's guide too see you later bye